0: It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living, with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. King Arthur Flowers spokesperson Susan Reed joined the company in 2001 to test recipes for their second cookbook project. And she's now the editor of its award-winning bi-monthly baking newsletter called The Baking Sheet. And she's joining me today on Amy's Table, just in time for cookie season, to talk about the new book, The King Arthur Flour Cookie Companion, The Essential Cookie Cookbook. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, you must be great getting to hang out with all these cookies all the time and talk about everybody's favorite pastime, baking. What an awesome career.
1: It has been um, really a lot of fun. I get to write half the time and cook half the
0: time. Yeah, and I'm sure you have to taste a little bit, too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, hours spent in the swimming pool before work.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, of course, this time of year, people are baking cookies, and some successfully and some not so successfully. But it's funny because I think that a cookie is one of the first things any kid learns how to make, pretty much, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I think it's really people's first into baking if they've never baked before.
0: And yet, really, you can screw up a good cookie. So what do you think are some of the techniques that we really need to know about to ensure success?
1: Well, in the book, we, we did an entire chapter called Getting Started, where a lot of the vocabulary of baking that bakers tend to take for granted, you know, terms like creaming and folding and things that we know already, but other people might not. We tried, we illustrated them and explained them so that um, beginning bakers would have a much better starting point so they could see what those things are supposed to look like, and they were explained in more de- detail.
0: Yeah, that's important. And of course, uh, you know, establishing those as habits. Don't you think one of the first habits is reading the darn recipe first? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, people
1: get a little intimidated because they've heard all along, oh, baking is a science and you can't take liberties and all this stuff. And I think that there's some unintended consequences where people get a little bit freaked out. And really all you need to do is read the recipe from top to bottom at least once so you know where you're trying to go. It's you don't read a map halfway on a trip, you look at see how you get from here to there. Exactly. And that's what the recipe is.
0: Oh, that's a really good analogy. I'm going to start using that. (laughs) You don't read the map halfway. It's so true, though, because if you're halfway done and it says make sure that the nuts are toasted and you haven't toasted your nuts and you have to stop and wait, it's just ridiculous. You know, you really do want to make sure you understand what's happening. Well, I know one of the biggest things with baking, especially with measuring flour, is some people say you must have a scale. And other people are like, no, you just need to measure. Where do you stand on that for the home cook?
1: Well, we use scales all the time, partly because we're lazy and we don't like to wash dishes. <laughs> um, yes, the, they're more accurate, but that's the biggest reason to have a scale: is you don't have to wash as many things. Um, and if you don't have a scale, it's fine. You just need to be conscious of the way that you measure your flour, because most of us don't even think about what it is that we're doing. We just you know, Go to the bin and scoop out a cup of flour, and you you might pack it down or you might sweep off the top. But if you don't know what you're doing or how you're doing it, it's very easy to get results you don't expect and not understand how you got there. Well, I think for, it's a very unconscious thing.
0: Yeah, but for example, if somebody spooned flour into a cup and pressed it down with the spoon every time, and and then leveled it off, versus somebody mm-hmm. who fluffed up their flour, scooped it in, and leveled it off, if they weighed those two side by side, what kind of a discrepancy in weight have you seen? I mean, sweeping.
1: You can get almost twenty percent more flour. Into a cup if you're packing it in. Yeah. And if you fluff it up um, and sprinkle it in and then just sweep off the top. And 20% is a lot. So if you've got, you know, two cups of flour in a recipe and you're really putting in two and a half. That's going to make something really dry and really crumbly.
0: And that's where somebody thinks they just can't bake. And the truth is, maybe yeah. they just need to adjust their measuring technique. So that's important. Well, I know as people are thinking about holidays, a, a good scale is a wonderful gift for a home cook. And once you've got one, you're surprised how often you do use it—not just for flour, but you know, meat. If you need a small amount of something, it's amazing how many restaurants or excuse me, recipes will say you know, two ounces of this or one ounce of cheese, and it. It's helpful, don't you think?
1: Yeah. And if you're buying a bulk pack, which is always cheaper, like three pounds of ground meat and you want to make some hamburgers or something, you can have everything portioned out so that it's the same and then it's accurate.
0: Yeah, which is a wonderful thing. So what about cookie sheets? You know, shiny, dark, rimmed, not rimmed. That's another thing that people feel strongly about.
1: This is totally the time of year where someone who doesn't bake very often says, oh, I want to make some cookies. So they go buy all their ingredients, which is an investment, and they make up their dough, and then they pull out this battered, black, wrinkled, uphill, downhill (laughs) baking sheet, and and they bake on it, and the bottoms are are burned, and the tops are not done, and they think, why did I waste my time? So uh, really a shiny, flat, single layer aluminum baking pan is the best thing that you can use. If you have access or, or you know of a uh, restaurant supply store, just go get aluminum half sheet pans. That's what we use in the test kitchen. They're very durable. You can do a million things with them, and they're not that expensive.
0: And then do you like to line them with silpats or parchment, or you bake right on the sheet?
1: We are all about the parchment paper. Mm -hmm. Again, because we're lazy and we don't want to wash dishes. Parchment, you can, we have sheets of parchment paper that fit our half sheet pans and we don't tear the stuff off the roll because our half sheets are already flat. They stay flat and you can use them three, four, five, six times. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if they get too goopy or if they get a little crispy on the edges, then you say goodbye to that one and go on to the next one. But I, once you've got parchment in your arsenal, you're not going to go back.
0: If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Susan Reed about the latest The King Arthur Flour Cookie Companion Essential Cookie Cookbook. And, of course, people are baking. They're making rolled and cut cookies, drop cookies, et cetera. But one of the things that I like is to freeze cookies. If I make a batch, I don't necessarily want all of them at once, or maybe I'm going to take them to several hostesses over the holiday season. What tips do you have about both freezing and thawing cookies?
1: Well, I I like to, thaw, I like to freeze the dough um, more than anything else because there's nothing better than the warm cookie out of the oven, depending yeah. on what you're doing and for whom. I would say that um, if you want to bake all, all the way and then freeze things, a lot of bar cookies are very good at that. Um, they tend to handle that treatment well. I When you make a roll-out cookie dough, which has to be chilled anyway, one of the biggest tips that I can give people is after you make your dough and it's still soft, the best thing that you can do is get layer, you know, sheets of parchment or wax paper and put your soft dough out on that and roll it a little bit, put a piece of plastic wrap on top, and then just squish it out flat. And then you can either refrigerate it or freeze it that way. And then when you go to work with it, it's already flat. It will chill much faster. You don't have this big sphere of hard dough that you have to break up, soften up,
0: chill it, you know, it's... Right, that's a great idea.
1: ...for success, yeah. Um and, you and, can scoop any kind of drop cookie and freeze that, and then just bake what you need very easily. And do you like
0: to bake them still frozen? Uh, the way I go about
1: it is, if I decide I'm going to bake some frozen cookie dough, I will go into the kitchen, take out the cookie dough, put it on my sheet pans, just lay it all out, and then I'll turn on the oven. And by the time the oven is up to temperature, about 25 minutes... The cookies are most of the way thawed out. Mm-hmm. They're just laying on their sheet pans, and then I bake them that way. You can bake them from frozen, but they won't spread hardly at all. Um, they'll be kind of spherical.
0: Right, right. So, But those are good tips. And then here's the other thing. When people are doing Christmas cookies or holiday cookies, is there one that you think always looks great? It's just a winner. Somebody can get a great presentation or look uh, very easily. Yep.
1: If you like to do roll-out cookies and to decorate them, um, my favorite dough in the book is called Stained Glass Cookies. And the dough itself is, it's got a little bit of nutmeg and some cream cheese in it, and it's very easy to work with. It handles beautifully. It holds its shape beautifully, and it tastes really good. Um, You don't have to make stained glass cookies. And if you don't know what those are, you would take a shape and cut out a cookie and then you take a smaller shape and cut a pe- uh, you know like a little silhouette out mm-hmm. of the middle of that cookie you bake it most of the way and then you put crushed take it out of the oven put up in crushed up like jolly ranchers are the ones that work best whatever color you like just put the crunched up candy in that hole put it back in the oven just enough time for it to melt and then you have these gorgeous cookies they're really pretty easy to do um, and they look really pretty. You can hang them on your tree. You can decorate them with frosting afterwards. They're a nice gift, and they taste good.
0: Yeah, oh, that would be so pretty, and part also pretty as part of a holiday assortment. Well, as luck would have it, Susan is sharing that recipe with us, and I'm going to put it on amystable.com, along with a link to King Arthur Flour and a link to this book. It's the King Arthur Flour Cookie Companion, the essential cookie cookbook, and you got to check it out for all of your baking needs this holiday season. Well, Susan, and thank you so much. Great tips for everybody getting ready to roll up their sleeves and bake. And I hope that you have a happy holiday season, too. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q! It's Amy's Table with Amy Tolman. Yeah. Q102.
1: Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash features a 3-in-1 formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak-free shine. It keeps you seeing safely all year long. Pick up some at Walmart today. See safely
0: on the road when you...